0: What happens when God comes down? Our text this morning is going to be drawn from Luke chapter 10, from verses 1 up to verse 20. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon us this morning. We pray that you'd lead us and guide us in your word. We pray that you'd open your word to us, that we might hear it and that we might do it. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. At our first church, there was a man who was a member who owned a company that moved houses. He would jack up the houses, and then using a crane, the houses would go up. The house would go up and then onto a large truck and be moved to a new location. This morning, the Gospel of Luke shows us a house coming down. The Lord, enthroned on high in heaven and on Mount Sinai, begins a new phase in redemptive history as we see that God's house came down God's house came down go ahead and open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 10 we're going to begin in verse 1 Luke chapter 10 beginning in verse 1 and it says there in Luke chapter 10 beginning in verse 1 after this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go now, 70 or 72, early manuscripts, including the Codex Sinaiticus, has the number 70. So, whether it's 70 or 72, they're roughly the similar thing and mean roughly the similar thing. And when you look throughout the scripture and you look through Jewish history, you see this number coming up again and again. Here's one example Exodus chapter 24, verse 9. The Moses and Aaron nadab and abihu and the 70 elders of israel went up and they saw the god of israel so the elders in the old testament numbered 70 and these disciples that you see here are now functioning as the new elders of a new israel as old israel's elders went up to god's house on mount sinai new israel's elders go out as god's house came down to earth Now, there's other places where we see 70. One of them is when you go into the book of Genesis and you see after the flood and you see the sons of Noah go out, we see there's something there an account of all these families that go out and become nations. And we see that the 70 nations there are the table of nations. The Sanhedrin, the ruling of the elders in Israel at this very moment in time, consists of 70. And also 70 or 72 is the number of scholars that supposedly translated the Septuagint. When the Hebrew Bible was translated into Greek and now the entire world can read the Bible. So what's going on here? We see that they're functioning as priests and elders and they're forecasting the going forth of the kingdom of God and the gospel to the ends of the earth. The laborers are few. They go out two by two. Let's go on to verse 2 here. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The harvest is plentiful, and the laborers are few. So, what does Jesus say? Does he say, Go recruit people to become laborers? Does he say go out and carry out a program to create those who will become discipleship leaders? What does Jesus say to do first and foremost? He says, pray, pray. The harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, so pray, pray about this. And friends, guess what? It's always been the same story. The harvest is always plentiful, but the laborers are few. And friends, these days in which we live is about a huge harvest, and the laborers are few. Do you know that the days in which you live are actually the days and the age of the greatest age of evangelism in the history of the world up to this point in time? And yet we go, boo-hoo-hoo. Read the newspaper, all focused on the Western world or what's happening here in the United States or in Texas, and we think everything's going bad everywhere, but it's not. The gospel is breaking out in power all over the world, particularly in the global south. There were 9 million Christians in Africa in 1900. In the next three years, there will be 633 million. There will be 640 million Christians in Latin America. In the next few years, there will be 460 million in Asia. And taking into account those who claim the name of Christ in Europe and North America, there will be 800 million of them billions and billions of Christians and billions and billions more to be reached but the laborers are few pray for the laborers the interesting thing is they don't need us now they don't need a Dutch guy going to school at Calvin College to go over to Africa or going to go to Central Asia there's plenty of Christians there now they need to be equipped They need to be prayed for they need to be raised up by the spirit of god the laborers are few so pray for the laborers pray for the indigenous laborers pray for indigenous laborers that we might be involved with ourselves now as our church grows in the next six months or so i anticipate we'll start to flesh out our missions budget and as we have the habit of doing in the crec we normally only focus on one place one thing and we put some serious resources into that And there's some exciting things going on. There's a church kind of like our church in Nairobi, Kenya, that's been there for quite some time. A pastor that I know down there who is actually Kenyan, he just needs help to help him raise up laborers. Perhaps Central Asia or the Philippines. We have 20 churches that want to come in to the CREC from the Philippines. And maybe Central Asia and the Philippines will be our corner of work, our place of focus to pray for God to raise up the laborers. Verse 3 in Luke chapter 10. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Doesn't this sound like a plan for failure? who would come up with a plan like this carry no money don't bring any supplies don't take any extra sandals don't greet anyone on the road and guess what i'm sending you out as lambs into the midst of wolves does that sound like a winning strategy to you I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. I take that to mean not only those people that they meet who are involved in evil and hate the coming of the gospel, but also the powers and forces that would lie behind that are like wolves. And can you get more helpless than lambs? Lambs among wolves. Guess what, friends? That's us all the time. It's always been that way through this age. We're sent out as lambs in the midst of wolves and why let me tell you why friends because Jesus is the rampant roaring all-powerful lion of Judah and he had their back and he's got your back too can I hear an amen to that verse 5 whatever house you enter first say peace be to this house and if a son of peace is there your peace will rest upon him but if not it will return to you and remain in the same house eating and drinking what they provide For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Jesus says, don't worry about what those who don't receive you into the house will do. There will be many that will do that. There will be many that won't receive their message. There will be many that won't receive your message as well. But Jesus tells you, don't worry about that. Why? Because it's not about us. It's about what Jesus is going to do. That should free us up and liberate us. Peace be upon you is what they're to say. Peace be upon this house is not some flippant saying, but is a true offer of peace with God. And remember, peace in the Bible is shalom. And shalom is not simply absence of conflict, but rather it's wholeness, flourishment, restoration in relationship with God, Shalom, wholeness, shall rest upon those who receive it, but those who don't, they're God's business. They're God's business. Verse 8, whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. God's servants are not to be picky. Kids, listen up. I think there's a good principle here. You go over to someone's house, they put those lima beans in front of you. You eat them gratefully, someone's giving you a gift. When your parents have you eat food that you don't like, it's a gift, that's the principle here. God's servants are not to be picky, why? In reality, they're the ones that are bringing the gifts. The food that they're given is not the gift, but rather the messengers who are coming are bearing great gifts gifts of eternal life and eternal significance and blessing. And as they are blessed, their house will become God's house and a blessing to others. Verse 10, but whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. That's kind of a weird saying, isn't it? Can you imagine that? You know, they they get rejected in this town, and they take their sandals off, and they brush off the dust of their feet. And they say that even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. What's going on with that? Well, dust is very significant. Jim Jordan says, man is glorified stardust. Think about that. God speaks everything into existence. Matter comes into existence. And it's swirling around, and he makes the planets, and he makes the stars from this material, stardust. And then he takes the dust of the earth, and he forms a man out of it. And then he breathes an affection to him, the breath of life, and he becomes a living being. You see, man is glorified stardust, meant originally to reign and rule as vice regents on behalf of God. But the dust is now our enemy glorified stardust raised to live forever gloriously sinlessly reigning and ruling over God's creation but now after the fall we return to the dust for dust you came to dust you return and now dust is an enemy and now dust is a sign of the curse unless it is set to be glorified in the resurrection because on the last day Whether you die today and the world goes on for another 10,000 years until there's nothing left but dust of you, when you die and go into the intermediate state, kids, when you die, Christians' spirits depart and go to heaven. Those who don't believe depart and go to hell. But on the last day, the difference between us and those who don't believe is we get our bodies back. God takes that dust, however he brings it back together, He gives us our old bodies back now new and glorified and to live forever glorified, stardust set for glory. But not so for those who reject Jesus. They remain in the dust, their bodies, and in spirit, they're in hell and cast into the lake of fire. So do you get the picture here? Dust meant to be good now is a sign of the curse And so you shake the dust off your feet because they remain simply regular dust set for judgment. All right, let's go from verse 11. We're going to skip down to verse 16 now. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. This should be very comforting to you. It's not all about us. In fact, every one of us, When you go out and witness the faith, what's the main objection you always hear? I'm afraid they're going to reject me. I'm afraid I'm going to tell them the truth and they won't like it and they'll get angry about it. Or they'll throw up their hands and say, not interested, get away. And you're worried about being rejected. But you see, Jesus says it's not about us. It's about Jesus himself. And when they reject, they reject Jesus. And they reject him who sent Jesus. Friends, we are just messengers and ambassadors And that should liberate us to go speak the truth, to preach the gospel, to invite others to come and join us in the kingdom and to come to the feast. We bring the king's message, repent and flourish, or reject and face judgment. Again, I want to remind you, as you go out of this place today, you're living in the greatest age of evangelism yet. And no wonder there's so much opposition to the gospel. Even in our own land, our own land that once considered itself Christian, our land that once presupposed Christian principles, now we have a hard time having a conversation about biblical things with our neighbors. Much opposition. Why? Because Jesus is on the move. And the laborers are on the move. And there needs to be more laborers, so pray for the laborers to go out into the harvest. Verse 17, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. The demons tremble and obey the church in the name of Jesus. Now, you know my soapbox. I'm going to step on it again. Jesus gave you his royal name. If you're walking around in England you got a calling card from the Queen it opens doors I know the Queen I'm coming in the name of the Queen people step aside you have the name of King Jesus the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who's seated at the right hand of the father even now ruling over the cosmos use it use it in prayer use it in trouble call upon his name the demons tremble and obey the church in the name of Jesus. When we gather together on Sunday morning, you can't see it, but if you have the mind's eye and spirit, the earth trembles beneath our feet, and the forces of darkness tremble at the name of Jesus, and we come in the name of Jesus. Now, look who's doing this. Now, you used to see in the 12, right? Jesus comes in his own name, demons flee. Demons flee. He asks them who they are, and they know who he is, and they say, please don't send us into the pit yet. You look at the book of Acts, and you see that the apostles, the 12, go out, and they cast out demons, and they do great miracles in the name of Jesus. But notice here, it's beyond the 12. There's 70. There's a bunch of people, 58 or so, that are beyond the circle of the 12 That are having these miraculous powerful things done through them they're coming in the name of Jesus friends go forth in the name of Jesus the Christ and then Jesus says here I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven literally in the Greek he says this I was beholding Satan as he fell like lightning from heaven Satan used to wander around and come into heaven periodically and present himself before God you remember in Job where you been? No, I've been wandering around, going through and forth in the earth. Well, have you seen my servant Job? Yeah, you let me put my hands on him, and we'll see how faithful he is. But something changed here. Something happens in the breaking forth of the kingdom of God, in the coming of the Christ, in his mission, in his death, burial, and resurrection. As the new age breaks in, Satan fell like lightning from heaven, and now the gospel has broken out and has been conquering ever since. And Satan is being driven from God's house. He thinks this is his kingdom on earth. This is Jesus' kingdom. And heaven's coming to earth during this day and age through the body of Christ and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We're engaged in war. These 70 were engaged in war. But they were just lambs sent out in the midst of wolves, but going forth in the power and authority Of the lion of judah and who can stand against him who can stand against him brethren going on to verse 19 behold i have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you nevertheless do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven before you get too excited and we had a scorpion crawling around in the shower last night and my daughter was not happy with that before you go and grab scorpions, you know, to figure out if you're going to be harmed by them or not. Look at how Jesus interconnects this here. Tread on serpents and scorpions, verse 20. Do not rejoice in this, the spirits are subject to you. The gospel, in the gospel, the curse is reversed. The serpent and the scorpion have no power over us. This isn't talking about us becoming snake handlers and going out and grabbing rattlesnakes and dancing around this room but rather it's talking about the great serpent. It's talking about great scorpions, spiritual powers. The great serpent is cast to earth and he's being defanged and defeated, but he is fiercely fighting back. But Jesus says, don't rejoice in the power you've been given to participate in the great conquest. That's not where your focus should be. Not that Spiritual forces of evil obey the name of Jesus. That's not where your focus should be, but rather rejoice that you are among the recipients of saving grace so that your names are written in heaven. And heaven, God's house, is coming to earth. Can I hear an amen to that? My family used to live on an Air Force base in Tokyo. that was closing down because the Vietnam War was coming to an end. Week after week, there were more abandoned houses that work crews would come to back hose and smash their walls in. And with just a few knocks from the hose, the houses would come down, and soon there was nothing there to show that a house filled with a family once stood there. Unlike the houses on that Air Force base, which were emptying of families and coming down to the ground, God's house came down among his people. And his house is filling with people so that this gigantic family, the body of Christ, is growing larger and more powerful through this age until heaven finally and fully comes to earth. This morning we've seen that God's house came down. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your house came down, that you built your new temple that you built your new temple of us through the ages your people stone upon stone we pray that you would empower us to go forth as laborers and help us and empower us to call laborers through prayer and raise them up to go into the harvest to bring more fleshly stones into your house to build your temple in this age bless us in this time and place where we are Ministering for we pray these things in Jesus name. Amen.